0: As a driven dentist, you see the world differently. Where some see scarcity, you see abundance. When others want to give up, you keep going. You're building an amazing life of significance. That means you can't rely on ordinary advice from ordinary advisors to get to your goals. You want advice that's going to help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love, the causes you care about, and make your dent in the universe. But the fact is, this advice remains hidden because relatively few professionals are well-versed in them, and the extremely affluent don't care to let you know about them. Join us as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families. Welcome to Dental Wealth Nation. Here's your host, Tim McNeely.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of the Dental Wealth Nation Show. And uh, to all my city slickers out there, we got a really fascinating episode today. And by the time we finish (laughs) today, you're going to know why you might want to consider rural dentistry. That's right, I said it rural dentistry, small town dentistry, why you might want to consider it and how it can provide you with a great quality of life. You're going to have a paradigm shift and really a different way about thinking about why, where you practice. Is actually the most important thing to consider but most importantly of all you're going to feel hopeful that you can build the life you want in dentistry and when it comes to helping dentists really think through these issues i've never met anyone quite like dave whitlock he's got three practices he's the ceo of eastern dental he's got those practices in eastern kentucky and and what i love about dave is he really has a passion for helping you explore ways that you can find the practice that's going to help you enable to live the life you want. Dave, welcome to the show.
2: Appreciate you having me. Very excited.
1: Oh, absolutely! And what a what kind of a fascinating topic like rural dentistry. How did you even get started thinking about this? You know, I it's
2: funny because I don't think it gets enough run. To be honest, I don't think people think about it a lot. I think the the general and listen, I'll speak from experience you know, when I would think of rural dentistry in the past, it was like, well, yeah, kids from that small town would go to dental school and would come back and practice in that small town. And that's rural dentistry. And I I never considered it for myself until I did. And it has opened my eyes to a different way to practice for sure.
1: Yeah. What do you mean a different way to practice?
2: So I've, I've practiced all over the country. Um, You know, I got out of dental school in 2007. Uh, I've practiced in Phoenix. I've practiced in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I've practiced in Fort Collins, Colorado. I've practiced briefly in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, So I've practiced in heavily populated areas the vast majority of my career, a good a good decade of my career. Um, And it's you know it's a heavy competitive market. No matter where you're going, no matter what big city you're in, you're dealing with a lot of competition. And I got to a point where I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to practice with dentist on top of dentist. have to play the insurance game, have to fight for new patients, you know, have to jump through all the hoops that I was jumping through. I was working 12-hour days at one point in time. I was working weekends. And it's just not how I envisioned practicing when I got into dental school. Um, So when I considered practicing in a rural area, you know, all that stuff kind of came back to me. It was a place where I could practice four days a week. It was a place where I could spend my evenings at home with my family. I've got five children uh, that are very active children. And so I wanted to be at their games. I wanted to be at their orchestra concerts. I wanted to be at their choir concerts. I wanted to be available, you know, to drive them around and do all the stuff that they do. Um, And so it was a, again, it was a shift for me of deciding you know, do I want to pay what I'm paying to live, which was becoming outrageously expensive, or can I find somewhere where I can live for cheaper and make more money? And that's, you know, that's really what it came down to for me.
0: Hmm.
1: So, so really it's that, that quality of life, it's the cost of living uh, and really just once again, kind of that better quality of life. So was it hard making that adjustment?
0: It
2: was, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the the funny part about it was, is I, you know, when I showed up here, so I live in Ashland, Kentucky, it's somewhere you never heard of. Um, I'm about as far east in Kentucky as you can get while still being in Kentucky. Um, I, you know, when I moved here and started practicing here uh, quite frequently, you know, I would get the question, you know, what, what are you doing here? Like, oh, do you have family here? I said, no, I don't have any family here. I I didn't know a single person here before I moved here. And they said, well, what, you know, what brought you here? And, you know, I I inevitably sell them the same thing. I needed a change of pace. I needed to see something different. Um, So it was a drastic change for me and my family, um, for sure. But I was also at a point in my career where I needed a drastic change. I needed to do something that was very different than what I was doing. And, Mm. And again, I had tried it in multiple places. I hadn't just stayed in one place and said, oh, this isn't working. I tried going here. I tried going there from coast to coast almost. And finally, the common denominator was there's too many dentists in big cities. There's too much competition. There's too much to deal with here. And they're all expensive places to live. When I moved, so I moved from Northern Colorado, Fort Collins um, to Kentucky and In doing so, and I'll just give you one example of the cost of living. I mean, I cut my mortgage in half for the same amount of house. So I didn't have to downsize to half the house. I got roughly the same size house and pay half of what I was paying in Colorado. Hmm. I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars less that you have to take home if you don't want to. You know, that can equate to hours of work that you don't have to do if you don't want to. Or it can equate to, I can work the same number of hours and I can pocket that money. I can pocket it for retirement. I can use it to travel. I can use it to do, you know, use it however you want. You're a financial guy, right? I mean, anybody that's got extra money and can invest that money in whatever it is that, you know, whatever vehicle they choose, they're setting themselves up to be able to retire. That was a, I mean, I... I didn't feel like I was going to be able to retire if I kept going hmm. the way I was going, it wasn't wow. going to be an option for me. Okay. Um, no, so, you know, so, I, yeah, I, go ahead.
1: I, I, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley in, in LA, right? Big metropolitan area. And, and uh, yeah. you know, I'm in central California, Bakersfield, a little bit smaller town, certainly not rural, but I, I know for some people listening, they're thinking like, how can I give the city life up? Like, I love all the stuff that's going on and, and am I going to miss that? And like, what about the pace of life? Like, what would you tell to someone who's thinking those things?
2: You know, it's funny when we, this is a, this is a goofy example, but it's the, it's the honest truth. When we moved here, the idea of not having a Costco within a 10 minute drive was, I mean, that was life altering for us. It was like, how are we even going to survive here without a Costco to feed our you know, thousand children? And it is, it was a concern. It was a concern of mine for my kids. I thought, what are they, you know, they're going to not have enough to do. Um, you know, are we going to get bored there? Yada, yada, yada. So I had all of those thoughts ran through my head, but the overwhelming thought that I had was you can do without a lot of things when financial security is what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. The idea of of not living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck and be clear, there are a ton of dentists around the country living paycheck to paycheck. There just are. And I know it because I was one of them. And I know I'm not special Meaning, I know I'm not the only one that was doing this. So the idea of not having any extra money you know yeah i mean like i said yeah it's great that there's a target down the street i don't have any extra money to spend at target even if i wanted to so what's the point of having it there other than for it to be there for it to be a distraction Hmm. to be honest you spend less money when you have less stuff around you you just do um you know so that i mean that might be a unintended consequence of moving to a smaller town but that like i said that peace of mind is so invaluable that i can do without the costco i can do without the target i can do without a lot of things and i'm going to speak at this as again a family man as a you know as a father i mean my kids have had opportunities in our in our town that they would not have had anywhere else that we've lived i'll give you an example my oldest daughter she's 19 now um when we moved here she was a competitive swimmer so she swam all through you know swam in Uh, elementary school swam for a club team in middle school and she swam her freshman year in in Colorado for the high school team when we moved here uh, she was a sophomore she started her sophomore year here and she made some friends that sophomore year and as a junior they said hey why don't you come out and play soccer and she said I've never played soccer they said who cares you know come out and play Hmm. And so she showed up, coaches were happy to have her, she got out there, ran around, made some friends, letter, you know, got a varsity letter in soccer having never played before. In other places that I've lived, if you weren't a, you know, playing soccer since you were a fetus on a club team, you weren't playing on the high school team. That wasn't an option for you. Yeah. So not only the, do I feel like it's a quality of life issue as far as being able to do without some of these things have financial security But it's been a tremendous opportunity for my children to do things and have opportunities that they wouldn't have had other places. Hmm. All my kids play sports. They all work. Um, You know, they get involved in our community. They have, and it's not to say that you don't have those opportunities in big cities, but they are less. There's no getting around that. Those opportunities are few and far between for kids, whereas in rural, in, rural parts of the country, they're abundant. I mean, you can kind of do whatever you want to do. Um, wow, that's amazing. So, like I said, it's a small it's a small price to pay to go without the Target, you know, and go without uh, the Costco for again the financial security and for the opportunities it prevents or it presents my children.
1: Yeah. Well, right. I think those are kind of some of the common misconceptions. I know even coming from LA to Bakersfield, right? My thought was I'm going to lose all these things. I'm going to lose the concerts that I love going to. I'm going to, you know, lose the, the, the food and the restaurants. And, and actually in reality, I didn't lose any of that because now I get to go to concerts and see the same bands. But instead of traveling an hour and a half across town, I travel 10 minutes downtown and see them. And I get to see my favorite bands with a crowd of 500 instead of 5,000. And to me, I like that a whole lot better.
2: Oh, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah. And you know,
2: the the other side of it. Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to ask you. So, so what do you think some other kind of common misconceptions about rural dentistry are?
2: So if you're talking just practicing, to me, there's two huge misconceptions about rural dentistry. One is, is that every rural dentist is basically just a Medicaid clinic mm. that, you know, you're heavy Medicaid, you're heavy state assistance, whatever you want to call it, you know, and, and that that's, that those are the only patients you're seeing. Um, that absolutely has not been my experience. Um, I'll tell you in, the, in my three practices, I'm a provider for Delta dental and that's the only insurance I take. Um, and so you don't have to play that game as much because truth be told, when you're in a, low com- low competition environment, you don't have to take every insurance under the sun. People will still use their insurance with you. They'll come to you. You know, they'll pay their out of network or they'll pay their out of network fees uh, because A, they don't have a lot of options to go to, to be honest. And B, you know, you don't have to play that game. The other huge misconce- misconception I think that people feel like about rural dentistry is that people in rural communities can't pay for dentistry that you're not going to be able to do high level dentistry. You're not going to be able to do, you know, big cases or, you know, whatever it is you fancy. Uh, I place implants. Um, I'll use this as an example in the four years that I've practiced here in Eastern Kentucky, I've placed more implants than I placed the previous seven years in Colorado. And it's probably at a, at a, at a ratio of two to one, probably twice as many. Oh my gosh. Um, And to be honest, when I was placing them in Colorado, I was placing them for a cut rate fee. I mean, we were doing an implant, an abutment, and a crown for $2,000, which is Hmm. crazy cheap. Um, You know, here between, again, the implant, the abutment, and the crown, I'm somewhere in the $3,500 range. So I've almost doubled the amount that I can charge for it, and I've done twice as many as I've done other places that I've practiced. So the idea that you can't, you know, that you that you know, people in rural areas just want to pull their teeth. They don't want to do, you know, real dentistry, if you will. Um, And listen, there's plenty of that out there too. I take out a ton of teeth, you know, so that that's, that's part of the deal. But those to me, I think are the two, you know, again, misconceptions that, that people need to get over is that you're just a Medicaid clinic and that people in rural areas can't pay for dentistry. And my experience has been that neither of those are true.
1: Okay. So now when you talk about rural, how are you kind of defining that? Do you you have a definition around that or, or how should we think about rural dentistry?
2: It's a good question because I think, and I'll, again, I'll use myself as an example. If someone told me, you know, you, you should go practice in a rural area. I think I'm not going to some cow town that has one stoplight and a subway, you know, and I think that's a lot of what people think of as, and I'm sure there are rural areas that are like that. But, uh-huh. I mean, I practice in a town right now of 25,000 people. That's where my original Ashland practice is in. So it's, it's got enough people to be, you know, to sustain itself. Um, but to me, the best definition of rural that I can use as far as dentistry goes is your level of competition. It really hmm. is. I mean, if you found, you know, if you found a town of 50,000 people that only had one dentist. That's a rural opportunity because your your competition is so low. Your ratio of dentists to people is so incredibly high that you're going to be busy for the rest of your life. Um, you know, I, I happen to live in an area that's fairly isolated. You know, I'm two hours south of Columbus. I'm about an hour and a half east of Lexington. I'm about an hour, about two hours southeast of Cincinnati. So, if we're talking my you know, access to big cities, I'm an hour and a half to two hours. And to be honest, Lexington isn't even that big of a city, but it's the closest one we have. It's the closest Mm -hmm. Costco. So put it that way. (laughs) But, you know, so it's a, to me, it's a level of competition. That's really what I deem to be a rural opportunity. You know, I guess if you could find a low level of competition in a big city, it, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be rural, but that doesn't exist out there anymore. It just doesn't, you know, that's not a thing. So, you know, you're going to find them in more, you know, isolated-ish areas. You're going to find them, you know, obviously a lower, you know, population size, but more than anything, I look at it as a competition game. How many dentists are there and not only how many are there, but where are they in their career? Right Hmm. now, where I, where I currently practice in one of my, my, my original practice in Ashland, I'm 45 years old. I'm the youngest dentist in town by a decade. And, uh, you know, I could, I could name right now five other dentists in my town that are 65 plus. So I know that they're not going to do this forever. So if they can't turn around and sell their practices to anybody, there's five patient populations that have to go somewhere. Hmm. They're going to have to find another dentist. And if history is any indicator, there's not a million people running out here to buy their practices. So that, that's kind of where when I talk about rural, that's kind of what I'm looking at.
1: Okay. So, so you mentioned, right, the, the bright, not a lot of people running out there to, to buy the practices that are for sale. So, so let's talk a moment about practice valuations because, you know, most doctors who are buying a practice, they're, they're buying it with the end in mind. They know they want to Have ownership. They want to create an asset that's going to be worth something down the at the end of the road. So, so when we're acquiring or looking at practices in rural areas, are they selling for less? Can you still sell your practice in a rural area? What what happens to that valuation piece? And you know, in general, right? Because I know every area is different. But but do we see any trends or or things that we can really pull from that or, or look at?
2: You know, that's a great point because. When I was practicing for the short time that I practiced in Raleigh, because when I decided that I was going to again move from a big city, I, w- I wanted to move to North Carolina. That's where I wanted to go. And so I was going to look for a smaller town in and around Raleigh, you know, to see if I could find a practice there. Um, in my time that I was out there for about eight months, I would visit multiple practices, and there was always somebody behind me with deeper pockets than I had. There were guys selling their practices for hundred percent of what they were doing. So if they were doing a million, they're collecting a million dollars. They were asking a million dollars for their practice and they were getting it. People were going, people were, were getting it. Uh, how they, people got financed for that. I'll have no idea. That'll, that will always elude me. I don't get that. But on the flip side of that, when you're in a, again, a lower competitive environment, when not everybody is banging down the door to buy somebody's practice, you are going to get that practice at a fraction of the cost. And, and I'll just use myself as an example. The, the two, you know, I bought my original practice in 2019. The next two practices that I've purchased here, I've purchased for a fraction of what they can do, a quarter of what they were doing when they were fully open the year before. There's, you know, you, you talk about the, you know, the ability to grow a practice. I don't even have to grow it. I could just keep it where it is, knowing that I paid a quarter of what it can do. So I've built in equity from the very beginning. Even if I never grew it and I just maintained it and kept it doing what it was doing, even if I sold it for 50%, I'd make another, You know, I would double what I paid for it. Um, These are opportunities that do not exist in urban communities. They just flat out don't.
1: So really, because the, the valuations are, are lower because of demand, you can buy that Correct. practice that, that has high production, that's being run well, and you're going to pay a fraction of what you would pay if you're buying the thing in the city. So in reality, your return on investment is instantly much higher. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah.
2: That's been my experience. Okay. And again, you know, it's yeah, it's absolutely true. It is a supply and demand game. If I have a dental practice in the middle of Phoenix and I have 50 people that want to buy it, they're all just gonna bid this up until I basically get what I want. I can name my price. If I have a dental practice in you know the middle of you know, Minnesota, and I have two guys that knock on my door and want to buy it, they pretty much determine what I'm gonna sell it for. Hmm. I mean, you know, it's it's I'm not an economist. I'm not, you know, I'm not a financial guy. But this is simple supply and demand. When you have more people wanting to buy something, the price goes up. When you have less or nobody wanting to buy something, the price goes down. And these are not depreciating assets, meaning these are practices that have patients that are coming there that continue to get work done. They're not dead practices that nobody's worked in in five years. They're current practices that people are coming in every day and doing dentistry. They're viable, alive practices.
0: Hmm.
1: Wow. Wow. Very, very neat. And so, right, as you've gone about building these rural practices, what have you done in terms of patient experience or, or have you had to work hard to differentiate yourself the same way you'd have to do in a city?
2: Absolutely not. Um, I when I moved here, I would send out a direct mail piece. That's the only marketing I've ever done here. Um, I got a very good response on it. I had a lot of people coming in from it so much. So when I purchased my second practice, I stopped marketing because I couldn't get people in. I couldn't handle the workload by myself of, Hey, come in, you know, let me send these mailers out and then have people call my practice and say, yeah, I can't get you in for like two months. It was, it was defeating. It wasn't worth the money. It's not, you know, it's not worth the money to spend on it when you can't get them in right away. Um, you know, the, the other thing that I talk about as far as being a part of a, you know, or a benefit of rural practice is being a part of the community. I, again, I've mentioned my children before. I'm a, I'm very active in sponsoring their sports programs. I'm a named sponsor, uh, at, you know, on the high school football team. I'm a named sponsor on my daughter's swim teams. Hmm. Um, you know, these, and in the past in other areas that I've lived in, you could go to the Friday night football game and you would see, you know, they'll put the banners of all the sponsors around the field, right? You'd see 10 dentists, you know, so-and-so dental, such-and-such dental, smiley-time dental. And it was total white noise. It was like, oh good, there's 14 other dentists that are doing the same thing I'm doing. Where I live, when, when, uh, when I go to the Friday night football games, I'm the only dentist that's mentioned. I'm the only dentist that has a banner out there. Hmm. I'm the only guy. So when they announce my, you know, when they announce the sponsorships over the PA, it's just me. And, you know, I go to the games. I have a son who plays. Even if I didn't have a son who played, I'd go to the games because that's where the community's at. Hmm. You know, when I go to my kids' swim meets, you know, I'm the only dental sponsor there. If there's another one, it might be one other person, maybe. Hmm. So these, these dollars that you spend, A, you don't have to spend as much. And B, they have real impact. They have, you know, people know who you are, in a you know, in a smaller community. And I'm not the only dentist here. Don't get me wrong, you know, there's, there's there's a handful of dentists here in Ashland where I practice. But as I see it right now, I'm the only one that's doing these things. At least, you know, at my kids' school. I know I'm the only one.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: so that's impactful. That money means something. You know, it it a it helps it helps a community, but it's. You know, your name gets out there and people know that's you. They see you there. You know, they mm-hmm. know that you have kids there. You, you have, you know, a foothold or you have a presence in that community. That is very difficult to come by in a big city. It usually yeah. just becomes white noise. And listen, some people don't want that. They don't want, you know, they don't want to be known. They don't want it, people to know who they are. I get that. I'll be honest. That was probably my biggest fear coming to a small town, aside from being without the Costco. Was, am I going to run into patients all the time? Am I going to run into staff all the time? Like, it's awkward. I don't think they recognize me, but I recognize them. Like, that whole awkward dance, like, that happens all the time. And that was, I mean, it's a goofy fear, but it was. It was like, that's going to be weird to me. That's not something that I'm used to. But I, I've come to enjoy it. I've come to enjoy seeing people out that I know, seeing patients out that I, you know, that I see. It, it's, it's become something that, that I've become accustomed to. Hmm. um, and and that's, you know, that's a big deal.
1: Yeah. Well, right. And being married to a dentist, I I, I'm sure this happens, you know, I'm married to a dentist, so I'm sure this has happened to you one or two times, but you're probably out at that soccer game. And all of a sudden you're sitting next to a patient They're like, Hey doc, can you take a look at this tooth right here? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Right. my, My favorite was I went, yeah, I went to my kids. My youngest son went to his field day, which is kind of their track and field day at the end of the year. And yeah, some kid did a face plant. And I mean, one of the coaches immediately pointed me out of the crowd and said, Hey, could you come take a look? I said, Yeah, sure. You know, came down yeah. there. You know, he was bleeding from the mouth a little bit. He was fine, but they knew where to find me. I was sitting right there. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so, yeah, that stuff was Like, hey, that dude right there is a dentist. He can come and look at this.
1: Well, right. And that leads me to kind of wonder, you know, what role does community involvement really play then in terms of the satisfaction of your your patients and for the doctors considering those rural areas? Like like how big of a piece is that community involvement?
2: That's a good question. You know, I know that there are, again, other places that I've practiced. There's doctors who will want to practice in the small community but then we'll commute back to the big city because they want the amenities, right? And patients know that. You know, there was a time when my wife and I were were going through this where we considered a practice just outside of Indianapolis, about an hour west of Indianapolis. So our thought process was we could live on that eastern outskirts of Indianapolis in a suburb there, get all the amenities we want. And I would drive an hour to work in the morning and drive home an hour at night. And we strongly considered it. And my wife finally came to me and she said, this isn't worth it. It's not worth it for you to spend two hours in the car driving, you know, to get away from a community when, you know, it would be so much more beneficial for us to just all be together and be part of the community. Hmm. And so that's what we ultimately decided to do. Where I practice now, I'm less than a mile from my house. I'm less than a mile from my kids' school. I'm less than a mile from my church. I'm less than a mile from the grocery store. So, I mean, I'm part, you know, people see me, I'm part of the community and yeah. patients do want that. They really do. You know, they, they enjoy that. It, it may, you know, it, it makes them feel like they're cared for. And it's not that I'm checking up on them when I see them at dinner or anything like that, but they know that, that I'm, I'm there, that I'm, you know, yeah. that I'm living there. I'm part of it. You know, yeah. I'm not just a fly by night guy. That's just coming in to make some money and then turns around and goes back to the, you know big city life, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. So why do you think this opportunity flies under the radar so often for a lot of dentists that are out there who are considering getting their practice? Is this, is this just not on their radar or why aren't they looking at this opportunity?
2: I mean, it's obviously not on their radar. Um, you know, that's part of kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, because it needs to be on their radar. It really does. Not only from the standpoint of that, I believe it's a better quality of life. I know that it's a lower cost of living, um, but right now, the I'm not a big fan of the landscape of dentistry right now. You know, I've been, you know, I've, I've lectured out at the dental schools here in Kentucky the last two Fridays, talking to the la- you know the fourth year students who are getting ready to graduate this year, and they are coming out with way more debt than I did. So their debt, their debt load is so incredibly high. I mean, we're talking $450,000, $500,000, you know, the ones that were getting off cheap were 350000 which is way more than I came out with. And, you know, that those tuitions are increasing every year. That's not going away. They're opening up more dental schools. Kentucky's getting its third dental school in 2025. Um, When I got into dental school, there were no dental schools in Utah. There were no dental schools in Arizona. There were no dental schools in Nevada. Arizona Hmm. now has two. Utah has two. Nevada has one. Kentucky getting its third. And almost every dental school has increased their class sizes. So as of this coming year, when these guys graduate, you guys and gals, they're coming out with more debt than ever before. They're graduating with more dentists than ever before. And they're all going to the same places to practice it just it doesn't work and so and it's funny i made this comment when i was in uh, one of these lectures last week i said listen i'll tell you right now if i when i was sitting where you're sitting and if someone had come and told me this i wouldn't have listened because i was naive i was stupid i thought listen man i'm just going to go and practice wherever i want to live and it's going to be fine it's not fine and it's it's not getting better it's getting worse um, you know, DSOs are coming in and buying up practices left and right. I fully believe, and I, I don't think that this is far-fetched, that before too long and not, not very long, if you want to practice in a big city, you will be working for a DSO. That's going to be your option. You're not going to have an option to work in a private practice with a, you know, a dentist that's been practicing for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, however long. And you're not going to be able to participate in a private practice setting in a big city anymore. I just, Hmm. I think that's going away. Um, And I think it's going away quickly. Um, You know, DSOs have seemingly unlimited funds. They can pay whatever they want to pay for practices. And it's going to become increasingly difficult for younger dentists to not only pay back the debt that they are in, but, you know, have a quality of life that they thought they were going to have getting into dental school. So, I mean, this is, it's paramount that we we figure this out because while the, you know, while everybody in the past has been able to have it their way, meaning I make good money, I live in a city, you know, I have the best of both worlds, that has gone away. And if they don't start to consider, again, cost of living, paying less to live and being able to make more money practicing in a low competition environment. They're going to be in trouble, and so that's kind of my that's kind of my goal here is that and I struggled for 10 years, and I mean, when I say struggle, I, we're, I, I won't get into it here, but it, it's been it was been difficult. it was difficult for me for for an easy decade um, and so I, I, I want to see if I can help people avoid those pitfalls that I naively fell in. I wasn't paying yeah. attention, and I should have been yeah. um, Well
1: right. Yeah, so, they you, do you definitely
2: said, go under the radar.
1: Okay. Well, and, and you've, you know, mentioned in the title of this episode is right, this is the opportunity that you wish you recognized 15 years ago. If you would have started doing this sure. 15 years ago, how do you think your life would look different today? Oh, gosh.
2: That's a great question. I mean, financially, I would be light years ahead of where I'm at right now. There's no getting around that. Um, hmm like I said, I mean, I, the idea of saving for retirement through the first you know decade of my career wasn't a non-option. Didn't have the money like that, you know, it, it wasn't an option. Didn't even think about it, you know, and, but it worried me. It always worried me because so I was like, I can't, A, I know I'm not going to do this forever. B, I don't want to be a burden on my children. Like, you know, this idiot was a dentist for 30 years and, you know, you know, finished practicing with no money. Like, that's a terrible thought. But that's the that's that's the way I was going for sure. Um, so, you know. dentistry's hard work. It's physically demanding and it's mentally even more so mentally demanding. And so, you know, I put a lot of wear and tear mentally and physically working long hours, working 12 hour days, working, you know, Saturdays, doing things like that. Um, You know, I would say that easily I would be further ahead financially for sure. That would be the biggest, you know, the biggest piece to the puzzle. I I tell people my biggest regret in all of dentistry is that I didn't go into the military and let them pay for my dental school. I had the opportunity and I was, I was stupid enough. I mean, I, I, when I say the opportunity, meaning I had the paperwork and it was like, sign here and you'll be in the Air Force. And I was dumb enough to say, I'm not going to let the military tell me where to live. I'm going to live where I want to live and make it happen. And that was easily probably the, the worst decision I've ever made because hmm. it would have been, I would have been so much better off letting them pay for school, coming out debt free and then going to work. Instead, I did the opposite. Wow. So by far the I would be further ahead financially for sure had I started this way from day 1.
1: Okay. And, and so I'm sure it hasn't been without its challenges either. W- what are some of the challenges that you've run into as you've been practicing rural dentistry?
2: Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean it's it's something I'm struggling with right now. I have three practices and I have one associate And that one associate is only because he was the seller of the practice and agreed to stay on for a year, which I purchased this practice two months ago. So come the summertime, he's not going to want to work anymore. And if I don't find help, I'm going to have three practices and just me, which is a rough, that, that is a rough way to go. So for sure staffing is the biggest issue it is it is helping Dennis recognize what this opportunity what these opportunities are um because it is it, it is not on their radar it is not it doesn't go into their thought process um staffing in general is a challenge you know when you only have so many people to pool from you know hygienists can be difficult to find I mean it's tough to find hygienists right now nationwide um but especially in you know rural spots you know it's difficult to find to find good help sometimes. Um, those would I you know that's really my biggest challenge for sure practicing rurally is and and listen it's you know it's a heavy workload you know it's you know when you're again when your phones ring off the hook and and I'm not saying this sarcastic I'm not saying you know woe is me for all the problems I have I have too many patients but I have there are a ton of people here that want to get in and so my days are jam packed I don't you know. And I'm trying to see as many people as I can. So it's a, you know, it's tiring. It is exhausting at times. And so that I would say for sure is my biggest challenge. It's trying to handle the workload and trying to handle it alone without having, mm. you know, Dennis coming out to help me.
1: Yeah. All right. Fascinating. Very, very fascinating, Dave. A- any other kind of closing thoughts or, or anything else you would encourage anyone listening today to really think about if they're considering different opportunities?
2: I strongly feel, and, and, I'm, and again, I'm very passionate about this from the standpoint of, because I've seen both sides of the coin. I. I've practiced in Medicaid clinics. I've practiced as an associate. I've practiced as a partner. I've practiced in multiple states. I've practiced by myself. I've practiced with other dentists. I've practiced as a multiple practice owner. Um, You know, I've taken every insurance. I've taken no insurance. I feel like outside of the military, I've practiced dentistry every which way you can conceive of. Um, Hmm. and I didn't do that by choice. It's just kind of what happened to me each time I was looking for something, I found something else and, and that didn't work for me. So I I pivoted to something else and that didn't work for me. Um, so I, I guess my plea to anybody listening to this is that, that dream that you had of practicing dentistry your way still exists. It's out there. It 100% is out there. But it is going to require a change. It's going to require, and what some might consider, and I, for me, I consider it too, a drastic change. Mm-hmm. You are going to have to do things that you're uncomfortable doing. You know, I, I, I had a conversation with a uh, a student in Louisville a couple weeks ago. He was from Columbus, and his, his desire was to go back to Columbus. And I said, listen. I said, I'm just going to be honest with you. I said, you've got a dental school in your backyard that's churning out dentists every year. Columbus has a lot of dentists. He's like, yeah, I've kind of considered the rural thing. I said, here's what I would recommend you do. You take a map of Columbus and you draw a circle around the outside and say, this is how far out I'm comfortable going. And then I would double how far that circle is. That's where you need to go. That's where you need to look. It needs to be uncomfortable. It needs to be a stretch. It needs to feel drastic to you. If you want Hmm. to do something different than what you're doing. Wow. Um, And I, like I said, I don't think that I'm alone in, in feeling that way. I know there's gotta be hundreds, if not thousands of dentists who have felt the same way I felt. And so my plea to them is you don't have to come to Eastern Kentucky, but you need to strongly consider looking at rural opportunities and seeing hmm. them for what they are. They provide wow. you a quality of life. They provide you a sense of community. They provide you a work-life balance. They provide a low cost of living. And, you know, you can practice dentistry the way that you wanted, you know, that you thought you were going to practice it in the beginning.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I think in fact, you and I were talking before the show, and you said you've got a dentist coming out to visit you in the next week or so, coming from a, a large city, coming to Look at what you've got going on there. So, so tell us a little bit about their background, right? Don't give us any names or anything, but just give us a little bit of the sure. profile and the kind of person coming out to look at these opportunities.
2: Absolutely. I, so there had been a, you know, of all places, there had been a Facebook post, I'm a member of a couple of dental groups on Facebook and somebody had posted something about rural dentistry and I got on and, and commented and, you know, this comment that, you know, this young man read. And he messaged me through Facebook uh, that day, if I'm not mistaken. He said, hey, you know, I noticed that you're really into rural dentistry. Can I call and talk to you? I said, absolutely. And I believe I talked to him, if not that night, the next night. And uh, he said, you know, I'm just, I'm really burned out. I've been out of school for eight years. I'm in a heavily populated area. And, you know, I drive an hour and a half to work each way. He said, you know, my girlfriend and I go out to eat and we have to spend 300 bucks to get a meal. He's like, it's just become outrageous and I don't want to do this anymore. And I said, listen, I said, I I feel you. I know exactly what you're going through. I said, whether you come out and work for me or not, you know, it's up to you. If you want to come out and take a look, please do so. You know, rural areas, you've got to lay your eyes on it. You've got to see what it is. You've got to see what it isn't. So you kind of know what you're getting into. But At the same time, you owe it to yourself to at least start looking. I said, if it's not mine, that's fine. I said, but you really need to start looking at these rural opportunities because they're going to get you out of what you're doing, what you're unhappy Mm -hmm. with. And, you know, to his credit, he's, you know, he's uh, booked a flight. I was just texting with him today. He's going to be out here this not this coming weekend, but the next weekend. Um, And he's he's excited and I'm excited for him. You know, I'm happy for Mm -hmm. him to come and see it, you know, so I'm just going to kind of drive around and take a look and see what it is. And you and I can talk. And, you know, again, I'm not saying everybody has to move to Eastern Kentucky, but these are opportunities. They're everywhere. They just are. But again, you have to get outside of your comfort zone. You have to be uncomfortable and, you know, probably do something that you didn't anticipate having to do. But I can absolutely guarantee that the pros outweigh the cons. No, no doubt about it. At least they have for me.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, Dave, thank you for, for sharing this amazing opportunity. I know I certainly have a much better understanding of why I should consider rural dentistry and, and, and especially that quality of life piece, right? That's one of the things I talk about all the tr- time is building true wealth and, and true wealth is wealth that enables you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and really make a meaningful impact. It's not about the size of your bank account. It's about the quality of life. And I know you've certainly given me a paradigm shift and a different way of thinking about practicing and uh, certainly hopeful that even more dentists can get out there and really build that life and that practice they want. So so thank you for coming on and sharing so generously with us. How can we find you? How can we get in touch with you? Uh, so I started a website,
2: it's uh ruralpractices.com. Um that's where I post a lot of, you know, some articles I've written, some, you know, videos or things that I've posted on there what my thoughts about rural dentistry, what I think the benefits are, what I think the drawbacks are. Um, you know, I've got, that would be, you know, the place that I would ask people go, um, you know, look that up and contact me through the website there. And, you know, at that point, I'm, I mean, I'm happy to talk to anybody about this because I, it's something I feel very strongly about. I hope that, I hope that came across today.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, You certainly have a, a passion about this and, and wanting to help people find the, the practice that's right for them so that they can enjoy dentistry. Cause I, I talk to doctors all the time that are that are burnt out. They're tired. They're exhausted, and I think a lot of it is because we're running in the rat race. For sure, hundred percent. So, well, hey, thank you again for tuning in to the Dental Wealth Nation Show, Dave. Thank you, and uh, certainly some exciting stuff going on. And until next time, we'll see you again here soon on the Dental Wealth Nation Show.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to Dental Wealth Nation. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Join us next time as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families and help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love. Till next time, make sure to hit the website at dentalwealthnation.com.